Hello, friends. Today's guest is a very special human. Taro is a guy uh, that I've been trying to get on the show for a while, and he's a very busy man, CEO and founder of Four Sigmatic Mushrooms, which is probably one of the greatest mushroom companies ever on the planet. He's also from Finland and grew up on the countryside and has a ton of ancient wisdom from the elders in his community. And we dive into all things mushrooms from lion's mane, cordyceps to all those goodies. And of course, we dive into psilocybin and much more. Uh, we actually take a deep dive into sauna, which, as he points out in the podcast, is the only Finnish word in the English language, sauna. So he, uh, he has a wealth of knowledge in a number of cool things, all related to health and wellness. Uh, just a beautiful human, beautiful soul. And uh, we have a great conversation in this podcast. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Please leave us a five-star rating so other people can see it with one or two ways that the show has helped you out in life. Check out my website, kingsboo.com, and check out our sponsors. Today, we are brought to you by Ancestral Supplements. These guys are taking convenient grass-fed, grass-finished New Zealand cattle and taking them to gelatin capsules for very convenient and easy ways to get nose-to-tail organ meats. And their brain supplement is one of my absolute favorites. Native American wisdom pointed out to us that we should eat whatever body part was ailing us. So if we wanted to tune up our liver, we would eat liver, kidneys, kidneys, and no different for the brain. And having fought for some time in the UFC and taken my, no my lumps in the noggin, uh, I think it's absolutely critical that I do everything I possibly can to support the brain. That's why I looked into nootropics and why I looked into many of the things which got me to on it as uh, a member of their production team in supplements formulation. But these guys uh, know it inside and out. One of the best ways to help the brain is to consume brain, believe it or not. And there are a number of neurotropic factors and other things that go into their capsules within the brain tissue itself. And consuming it is a great way to enhance your brain health. Check it out at ancestralsupplements.com and use code word KING10 for 10% off everything in the store. We're also brought to you today by one Farm. One Farm is a single origin. That's right. One place USDA certified organic hemp farm making the very best CBD products on the planet. I've been using them for over a year and they are simply the best. It's one you can feel. Full spectrum, 100% CO2 extracted, which means you get all of the goodies and nothing else. Uh, they have a number of new products from eye serum to facial serums and things that can help for the beauty line if there are women in your family or if you get a little beat from the sun this summer. All excellent ways to care for your skin. I use their CBD chapstick. They're even selling hand sanitizer now in the wake of this COVID-19 business. But uh, all that to say, CBD has been instrumental in helping me in life, lowering everything from anxiety to helping me sleep at night to lowering inflammation. They make fantastic products that taste great. And I highly recommend them. Go to onefarm.com slash Kyle, and you'll get 15% off everything in the store. Thank you guys for tuning in and let me know what you think at living with the Kingsburys on Instagram. All right, we're clapped in. We've been, I, I had to get us going because we got a cleaning lady here and uh, we're at our, my buddy Justin's, our buddy Justin's place. And I definitely want to get, uh, there's a lot I want to get to, but we're also, you know, like when you have like these conversations pre-podcast and you're like, fuck, I want to talk about it on the podcast. I want to talk about that on the podcast. Yeah. Um, definitely want to talk saunas. Definitely want to talk about uh, 
your culture, your ancestry, where you come mm -hmm. from. Also want to dive in. We just did Paul Saladino here, the carnivore doc, and dive into um, a lot of the knowledge you know, that you have on, on mushrooms, all mm -hmm. things mushrooms. Obviously, we're going to talk about your company. But this was really cool. This is a gift that you gave me. And I wanted you to break this down because I think it, this is a good thing, a cool thing to share. Yeah, that's a kuksa or kuksi, uh, depending on which Sami tribe or which part of the, the northern part of Scandinavia you come from. And that is a classic mug. Um, and just to highlight a few things, so it's made out of gnarled birch. So it's the same tree that the chaga mushroom grows in. So the tree kind of gets sick. So it kind of curves, so it gets denser. So when it gets super dense, it's easy to carve out. So you kind of chop that. And there's about a 20 work stages to do that, including like soak it in coffee. Um, but you never have to wash that. You just rinse it, hot or cold. And what's cool about that mug is, is um, uh, besides the ancestry of very few people make these mugs anymore they make a bunch of them in china you can get them on amazon just like machine made but it's not from they crack really easily so one of the things is is having these little twirls here show the density of the wood um but the other part is i grew up in the boy scouts and camping and being in the forest it's really cool because you always have it hanging so we didn't mm. get to a stream you can just get some spring water but it doesn't make a noise because it doesn't bang there's no metal, anything, it's just wood. So it's it's silent mug that you can just hang and then just have hot, cold. Great in the winter, I just in, in there in Lapland and it was like really cold and it's amazing then and summer, spring, great then. So it's pretty handy. But it's, Yeah, it sounds good for burning man and hunting trips <laughs> exactly. alike. Exactly. <laughs> there's a special feeling about like high quality handmade items that can be value beyond just the functionality. And what I mean with that is, is we have these rituals in life and appreciating those rituals. And let's say what's the, like drinking coffee or matcha or just water, really good spring water. When you hold it in a good glass or a, a mug, you appreciate it more. I feel like it's, it's just, it's intentional to me, yeah. to me at least. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, you're saying to to you, and that's certainly true. I mean, there there's uh, that was a download I had after after ayahuasca once was um, I was talking about that like why in dieta do we come off caffeine? And they said, well, you're trying to get into this deeper restful state, and you don't want to be charged up. And I was mm -hmm. like, but is there something inherently wrong because it is a plant? Arguably, it's a drug. I mean, it's a drug. It, is, mm -hmm. it has a lot of a lot of drug like factors that go into that, and. Uh, what the shaman told me was it's it's something that should be used with respect and reverence mm -hmm. just like you use ayahuasca it should be something that you have a ritual with and an intention behind mm -hmm. not just i wake up this is a part of my daily routine i'm going to slam this thing and go get after life but like actually to take a moment and appreciate what that plant's doing for you yeah i couldn't agree more it's um when you have a coffee by a campfire after doing some forest work or hiking and you prepare it and you make the wood and and just the preparation or whisking matcha, it's so much more special than just like in a hurry grabbing a big cup. The other thing I want to say about psychedelics and caffeine, although there is a time and place for those, but understanding the energy, and I love that we're starting with this, the most woo-woo part, but <laughs> caffeine is very like masculine energy. It's very like blinders on, linear, right? And, and 
a lot of, not all, but many of these psychedelics are a more feminine energy of expanding and very non-linear. So it just be good to mindful is that herbalism, there are, there are uppers and there's downers. There is the yin and the yang and understanding the time and place of something that might be awesome, might not be awesome at that moment and knowing the time and place. So we love in health to demonize something like caffeine is good or bad, coffee is good or bad, n nicotine, you know, good or bad. Often it's neither, it's just a time and place and, yeah. and having that right time and place. So yeah, and how you, how you create space for the medicine. Correct. Not just taking off work and things like that, all important, but creating space around what you're putting in your body so that it actually does its job mm -hmm. and you get the effect that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I think more and more people are waking up to the set and the setting, but also like the work around it. It's not just that ceremony. It's so much more. Yeah, brother. Well, let's dive in. Let's dive into, <laughs> let's dive into background. I mean, we're already jumped in. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to get your background. Talk about where you're from. Talk about you know the history of the land and um, and just you know what what got you here. Obviously, you know I've 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 read a couple of your books mm -hmm. and understand this, but I think it's a it's a really cool story to see. And that's something that I always start with is just seeing like what brought this person here today. And you have you know one of my favorite companies on the planet. You're mm -hmm. obviously super dialed in, and there's there's a lot to discuss among mushrooms in general, but Talk about life growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Finland um, on our family farm that has been with the family for at least since 1619. Finland is only 100 years old. So we were part of uh, Sweden for 650 years and a little over 100 years of Russia. So it's actually the farm has even gone through a few different rulings. But growing up at the land near Nokia, it's a, you know in the southern couple hours north from Helsinki in um yeah, it's funny. It's actually the town is even named after our family, family kind of heritage. So it's it's been it's been there for a while. My mom taught physiology and anatomy, nursing, and um, my dad is an agronomist. So dad was soil, forest, land. Mom was humans, physiology, and that was the lineage that I was brought up with. But uh, as far as life, very different than most of America. Um, Probably the closest would be like, think of Maine, maybe Vermont, that kind of scenery and vibe. But the Nordic culture is, is definitely quite different. We would shower and drink spring water. Um, we would pick up our old wild berries and freeze them, but like the same kind of freezers that now a lot of people use for ice baths, those we would have three, four of those just full of mushrooms. You would, you know, um, you would hunt moose where I grew up and further up north reindeer for meat. And then we had like heirloom cows. So we had limousine type, like nicer breeds. And then obviously mushroom, that's a big thing. And then oats. So uh, a, a lot of like certain oats and potatoes as a, as, a, as a form of carbohydrate. So definitely not carbohydrate bashful life. But yeah, I went to a foraging school. So my elementary school was like almost think of like Waldorf Steiner type mm -hmm. stuff. But my great grandfather started this environmental school that I attended, and I thought my life was very normal. I, as a kid, you don't know. You see TV, like you know Hollywood and all the stuff, but it just seems not real. Um, so to me, life was very normal. It was not a big deal. You would cross country ski to school, cross the frozen <laughs> lake. No, I'm serious. And you would cross country ski through the frozen lake to school, and uh, that was normal. It's not a big deal. The other kids did it as well. 
So yeah, everybody else is doing it. It's the new yeah, thing, right? Yeah, but but you know, there's a lot of wisdom. But it took me to get a little older to appreciate some of it because life is really tough. I feel like a lot of people who grew up in a city and start waking up to the power of nature and value of farming, agriculture, um, permaculture, herbalism. They're like, this is cool, I'm gonna do it. Uh, but it's really hard. And like, you, I know you hunt, so like hunting is really hard. <laughs> it's not easy. It's, I, or you could make it easy, I'm not saying that, but generally speaking, life living off the land is really difficult. And a lot of people, will have a rude awakening when they try to do that for an extended time period, especially in a place where the nature is also harsh. It's a quite a lot easier in, in let's say, Hawaii than- Yeah, than Alaska uh, or yeah. Finland. Although Hawaii has its own challenges, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, that's incredible. And you moved here, when did you move here? About five years ago. But, so um, you had already started Four Sigmatic before coming over? Yeah, I've, uh, I've lived in 10 countries. US is my 10th country I'm living in, and I, I was living in, first in Switzerland uh, when, when I started it. And then partly because we didn't have outside investors or broke, you know, we, we had like 50K in our bank account to buy inventory basically, and that's it. Um, I moved to Asia, um, kind of live cheaper with my savings in the beginning, but yeah. So I've been here five years and it's been, it's been a fun journey. Well, let's let's talk for Sigmatic. Let's sure. get into this. Obviously, you're exposed. To, you know, it's a part of your culture. You understand probably a great deal more than most people from a very young age the power of herbs, the power of mushrooms, and of course, we'll we'll talk psilocybin. But I'm just <laughs> there are so many more medicinal mushrooms out there. Yeah, that have carried a lot of value in things like Vedic cultures and uh, Chinese medicine that aren't mm -hmm. necessarily. I mean, st people still have this idea that it's yeah, but that's that. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, how, how can we validate those things? And it's like, no, 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 for people have understood the health and the value of these things for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. We don't need a double blind study to necessarily validate that. Now, of course, we have all the science in the world mm -hmm. now to validate this stuff. Um, I'm sure you've, you've seen Fantastic Fungi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fucking incredible. So I know once that's mainstream and not just in select cities, that'll really be a, a beautiful um eye-opener for a lot of people about mm -hmm. the power of these medicines but i guess just br break down some of that like like you, because of your exposure at a young age mm -hmm. did you know that there was that there could be a marketplace for this like how did how did you formulate like the idea that i'm going to bring this to the masses um that's a great question the answer is i did not know that there would be a marketplace and even five years ago when i brought it to the u.s i wanted to believe that there was a marketplace for it I did not know for sure that there was a marketplace. I grew up more with culinary mushrooms. So that's the chanterelles, the russellas and the bolides and stuff. Definitely was a marketplace for that. And about 15 years ago, me and my friend won an innovation award for discovering this like rare mushroom and a, <clears throat> this like really expensive mushroom. So I knew for culinary mushrooms, there was serving the 1%, the, the Michelin star restaurants, but, and, uh, you know, having exposure to Asian cultures, I knew there was a massive market there for functional mushrooms, but getting it to Western world that was more mycophobic, scared of mushrooms, I, I did not know that that existed. And for me, the, the draw was, was definitely through optimal human performance. That was like, that was the, the thing. I just knew, um, even before I started for Sigmatic, I was thinking, it's like, what is meaningful to me 
And there was a few things that came across real strong. One is that I hated hype that was didn't have at least a thought to it. It was just for the sake of something like the latest, greatest exotic berry is going to solve all your problems. <laughs> and that's why even my company's name for Sigmatic, it just means kind of the top 50 to 100 most researched foods in the world. And funny enough, the most researched foods in the world are also often have huge cultural heritage. So, you know, the, the, the green tea and the coffee and the coconut and the hemp, um, the cinnamon, but also same way, like the ashwagandha and the reishi and the turmeric and, you know, all that stuff. So that was really important for me. The other one was like, what, from a physiology point of view, what is the 80-20? If we can fix it all immediately, what is the 80-20? And I came with three answers. One was immunity. I thought it was highly underrated. People only cared about immunity when they were had like a flu or something. But that impacts like obviously cancer, autoimmune, hyperactive, passive immune response. The other one was hormonal response. So partly in the nervous system, but partly also how we produce hormones in our glands and how does that impact everything we do? It's like almost the operating system. So, you know, that was just massive. And just kind of going through that list, I realized like, what would I recommend to someone? Like what would be my top five prescriptions for all these things? And mushrooms were part of it all through gut health, through immunomodulation, to, you know, beat psychedelics and non-psychedelics to the brain. And that's where I realized is, okay, like this is, this is just something people, not saying that mushrooms are a cure all for everything, but they're definitely underappreciated and they have so many more powers than just putting it on top of a salad or a pizza. So yeah, and nobody's really doing it. So there's a little bit of a leap of faith. Yeah, that's a beautiful leap of faith. And I'm super, I have a lot of gratitude for the fact like people like you that take that, the Paul Stamuses of the world. Mm -hmm you know, that have had um, transformative experiences and understand that there's a lot of medicine there. It's it's cool to see because it's something that I think like, you know, anytime there's like a perfect storm, and obviously this isn't to say like all the conditions were right. That's why you've done so well. It's not that it at all, but you know, with this health and wellness movement, people mm -hmm. becoming more conscious. And of course, this always comes from a place of crisis. Like we're, diseases are higher than ever, mm -hmm. obesity is higher than ever, but people actually are paying attention to what they're putting in their body now. And there is this whole gaping hole of food substance mm -hmm. that can be utilized to make us better, to help create wellness. Mm -hmm. And you guys have carved out a big space in the space for that. And it's some of my, I mean, over the years, I've weeded the garden more than I've added shit in. I think mm -hmm. when you get to a certain place in health, health and wellness, you realize health doesn't come from the next great thing that you're going to add to it. And getting rid of 90% of the shit in your supplement ca cabinet is probably a good idea, you mm -hmm. know, but really sticking to what works. And I mean, <laughs> shameless plug for your company mm -hmm. that I have no affiliation with. Like I fucking bring your products with me everywhere I go. Every yeah, time I saw I it in your bag. Yeah, it's in my bag. It's in my <laughs> fanny pack. It's on my person every fucking day because mm -hmm. I don't want to be without it. And I mm -hmm. really feel a difference, you know. That's I've, I've done the, uh, the Stamets microdosing protocol for the last month and I mm -hmm. use your... Um, Lion's Mane Packs, mm -hmm. and uh, Cordyceps from Onnit, the Shroom Tech Sport. How much niacin do you take? Uh, you know, that varies. So I, my- um, And flush or non-flush? It's, uh, it's flush. So that's mm -hmm. where it gets tricky. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll play with my dose from anywhere from a true micro of 100 milligrams to um, 
more of a concert dose of mm-hmm. like 500 milligrams. And each each uh, dose contains 100 milligrams of the niacin. Mm-hmm. So it, it'll fluctuate too with it. Yeah. Um, and I've played with higher doses of niacin. Something I want to talk with you about with as we get into saunas is that niacin combo yeah. there because it's something I've, yeah, I've I heard Mercola talk about. But yeah, really I just did it uh, a couple of weeks ago in Amsterdam. It's, it's powerful. Yeah. It you can also combine it with exercise. It doesn't have to be the sauna okay. to get the similar thing, but it's definitely powerful at sauna. Yeah. Well, I want to dive into that, but I, just real quick, like the 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 thing that I noticed was like everything, especially as I'm, I'm obviously we've got hand pans here. Mm-hmm. We just did a Bria on the podcast yesterday. So you guys will release around the same time. Um, my creativity has gone through the fucking roof. <laughs> like I, I'm listening and I'm, I've never thought of myself as somebody who was great at music, never played instruments when I was a kid. It was football and, and fighting pretty much. And, um, you know, on this last month protocol with playing uh, more musical instruments, Native American flute and painting, like I can just see huge changes in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. like the, the ability to rewire the brain rapidly through intention not just i'm going to take this and think everything gets fixed but give it an actual direction Mm -hmm. i think is is really important too because it will affect the hardware positively regardless but if you have an intention on what you wish to bring into your life and actually improve upon then i think that's where a lot of this can be magnified medicine oh beyond it's it's same in herbalism you never use a single herb like that's never an idea it's you should never just like go and take one thing. There's always like a supporting herb and a balancing herb or herbs with it, you know, and there's a million examples we can talk about. I feel like same in lifestyle design. So if you do have this intentional practice, let's say you have this mushroom supplement or a psychedelic or whatever thing, by stacking consciously the right practice, be it painting or be it, you know, there's again, million examples, you, one plus one is three. Like that's the whole, what we're trying to build. It's, it's like you said, is like getting rid of the 90% of the stuff you do, getting back to the basics, but also understanding the value of synergies. And those synergies might not be like more is better. Synergy might be better is better. And that's a big thing. But having those intentional practices that mean something to you is, is, is definitely powerful. So Yeah, it's reminding me of uh, some of the concepts and... James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. I haven't read that. One. It's it's phenomenal. He he's, was on the show a while ago before mm-hmm. the book came out. But um, you know anybody who it's fucking New Year still January as we record this, you know <laughs> people have this list of shit they want to get done, and they want to change everything and do it all at the same time. And obviously that's really hard to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So his his thing is you have your goals, you prioritize which one is the most important thing, and you just start with one at a time. And as mm-hmm. you begin to develop some level of mastery. And it's and it's a known habit that you don't need to worry about. That's when you add in mm-hmm. other ones, and from there, the goal is not to get mastery in any one specific thing. It's just to get one percent better mm-hmm. at everything you're adding, and from there, that's where you get one plus one equals three. Yeah, right. And so I think about that too with the, you know, whatever intentional uh, thing that we're bringing in from a supplement standpoint or the microdosing protocol and how that layers with the practices that you have in life. Mm-hmm. Like what is the goal behind this thing? Is it to be smarter or is it to be smarter where specifically, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think those are some missing ingredients in, in 
actually fine tuning what it is exactly that we're looking to get better at? Yeah, I think most of the time, myself included, I sometimes overestimate what I can do in you know six months, but I underestimate what can be done in five years. And uh, that's, I think, where it gets pretty magical is having that approach exactly, but being intentional about which way, because it's otherwise it's like you have this rocket ship, but you don't know where you're flying. You go two degrees left or right. After all these years, you're in a very different part of the space if we went left or right two degrees. So, so over time, time is, is a powerful, powerful ally. And uh, so, yeah, the intention is huge. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to see those little things while you're in the moment. But if it's something that you're doing because you absolutely love it and enjoy mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter. It's easy to go through five years of you know, having a, a, an intentional practice of learning to play music or paint or whatever the case is, or even just you know, having the intentional practice of essentialism, not mm-hmm. doing a bunch of shit you quote unquote have to do, but mm-hmm. doing the things that you really enjoy doing and making that the priority. Those are practices that take a long time, but when there's meaning behind it and joy behind it, it's a lot easier to go through a full five-year span and look back and be like, mm-hmm. damn, we did it, you know? Totally. As opposed to just, oh, I'm supposed to lose weight because the doctor said so, or I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, it's it's not internal journey. It's an, it's You're outsourcing it, the energy. You're, you're putting it outside of your body because it's coming from outside of your body. You're not owning it. I like that. Well, we touched, we touched a little bit on... Uh, the niacin sauna. I want to mm. break down all things sauna because there's a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. uh, from where you come from. And obviously Dr. Rhonda Patrick going on Rogan's and, and really blowing up the scene with all the science of sauna therapy and mm-hmm. things like that. And there's, there's a couple of things that I see that are, that are big differences in, in the way you guys utilize sauna and heat shock proteins versus a lot of the stuff that's out around infrared saunas. And mm-hmm. I, it's something that I tell people is, there's a greater physiological adaptation to something that's hard. Like if your body, mm-hmm. if I squat the bar a thousand times, it's different than squatting 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's a different adaptation. If I'm in a really hot sauna, even for a shorter period of time, and I just work on extending that time window, that's going to have a much greater impact on my body than mm-hmm. staying in something that's 140 degrees for an hour, an hour and a mm-hmm. half. But talk a bit about sauna, some of the differences among saunas, because you know infrared saunas tend to be cheaper, not always. Mm-hmm. But I think it's worth it to do the hot rock. And I certainly feel more of a response when I'm using a traditional sauna versus an infrared sauna. Yeah. So I'm definitely a sauna aficionado. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, just to kind of frame the conversation, sauna is a Finnish word. It's the only Finnish word in the English language. And sauna means something very specific. And um, But there are many types of hot rooms around the world. Hot rooms are not unique to Finland or Russia or whatever. There's so many hamans and different parts of the world have to have different kinds of sweating practices. So through and through, I think all sweat practices are good. They you just kind of where they originate, kind of talk a little bit about that. What was the purpose of those sweating practices? And obviously if you're in Alaska or Finland or Russia or Korea, where it's super cold in winter, it's a different kind of intensity. But if we go purely from health purpose, the sauna truly does refer to either a smoke sauna or a dry sauna that will trigger those heat shock proteins. And I don't think a lot of these like hotel saunas that are like 150, 160 um, 
I just don't see them as saunas, really. It's not really, it's a sweat practice. And again, there is plenty of good benefits for detoxification. Um, but if you do want that adaptation, like you said, is there's something to be said about something that is difficult. Same with cold therapy. Mm -hmm. So there are differences between, you know, 30 degree water in Lapland where it's minus 40 outside and it's 30 degrees because, or 28 degrees because there's a stream or otherwise it would freeze. It's, it's a different element than 50 degrees at indoors. It just, there's, it's just a different thing. And uh, um, both are probably beneficial, but um, the magic is, I think it's the harder it is, probably the better it, it is for you. So how, let's go back to how we use it. We do have electric dry saunas and then wooden dry saunas. Um, I think both can be good. Wood burn is usually a little better. Um, it more comes down to the size of the room and the shape of the room that matters. And then uh, the routine. Uh, we also have smoke saunas where you put the smoke inside for many hours and then you ventilate, but it has this smoky feeling. Um, so moisture obviously is a big factor as well. So a lot of good saunas, you go and throw water into the benches first and then kind of absorb into the walls. Um, but classically, the practice would be that um, we go to this dry sauna, we start hot after an exercise, so cross-country skiing, running, or just a day of hard work at the farm can also do it. So it would usually be like after being active. Then it would go to the sauna, we get birch leaves. So there's a hitting practice to further improve blood circulation on the surface level. Also, there are oils in... Um, that are also actually similar compounds that are found in chaga that are absorbed from the birch tree. So betulin, so in chaga, there's betulinic acid, very powerful antioxidant. Um, so you spank and then you go into cold and that should go at least three times back and forth. So the kind of the base rule is you go three times and if it gets too crazy, like kids are like probably can't handle 210 degrees as well, they're gonna step one level lower but they're gonna do it still. So it's better to do it at some capacity than not do it at all. So you do that circle and you go into cold water, um, you drop your shoulders, take deep breaths. Usually even at the, even no matter how cold the water is, you try to stay for about a minute. Um, and then if at the end you always end cold, so if you don't end in the water, you hang out outside uh, in the cold for, you know, five to 10 minutes to cool off. So you never end hot, you always end cold. And you start hot. Yes, pretty much exclusively start hot. There are some crazy people who do it the other way, but usually you're already, you finish an exercise or work at the farm and then you go hot and then, then you go water and then at least three rounds. And yeah, it's the funny things. Then you make sausages on the fire. So you put a sausage <laughs> on the coals and then you eat a sausage and some people have beer or whatever. That sounds like an incredible way to finish. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, you eat a sausage at the end and then, yeah, some people have a beer or something to end the day, but yeah. Yeah, I always wondered that. I've done a couple, um, what is it, banya, the Russian? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I've done a couple banyas and- uh, I was wondered why they were beating me, you know, mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, this is a part of the practice. And I see they've got like their little beanies on, you know, the, like hat, the, hat, yeah. the hat thing. And I just and didn't And that helps a lot it, yeah. if you do super hot saunas, if you have one of the sauna hats. And then if you do serious cold winter ones, walking to the water, usually have a little booties 
kind of like okay. um, almost like a surf type booties or Crocs. <laughs> but it's just like walking when it's minus 40 outside and your feet get stuck on the way. It's just better to have a little booties. And then some people wear gloves if they swim, but it's definitely the extremities that you protect, both hot and cold, your ears and, 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 and the steam that comes out of your head. I love it. Well, let's talk, uh, I guess my last question on sauna is, <laughs> let's talk about this, this niacin combo. Because mm-hmm. that's something that I've, I've experimented with a little bit, not in the sauna, I've read about it, and I've experimented with you know some of the higher doses i've had a gram once which was mm-hmm. i should have worked my way up to <laughs> it's tough way, it's really tough mm-hmm. um i would recommend doing 500 and 500 start 500 and then maybe 30 or 60 minutes in add a 500 then go straight to a gram okay and that that talk a little bit about like the why behind this mm-hmm. yeah i mean i mean most things come back to what are difficult when you have you challenge your body, you squat or you hike or you do these things. It gives a temporary shock to the body, which makes the body actually weaker, but then also signals certain parts of physiology to like, hey, you got to step up, right? If you go too hard, there's a risk of injury or illness or too, too hard, too long. But you can go pretty hard on a short time window um, if you're mindful. And the same goes for our cells. So there's a, there's a, cellular energy, cellular function that puts pressure on the body. And uh, in this case, you're playing a lot with uh, thermodynamics of your body using a B vitamin, so niacin, to flush. You go a little harder than you probably should. That creates this like irritation um, in your cellular levels that creates irritation on your skin and sweating and redness in your body that... um, that when you combine it with sauna, that does increase sweating and redness in your skin. You're kind of hitting it from internally and externally. So you're getting that from within and also from the out, kind of doubling down. One plus one is three. And the benefits of that, um, um, you know, a lot of people use it for fat absorption and just kind of ability to absorb um, nutrients. That's a very common way to do that. Um, but I would say generally for, from if you think of what I care about is more of the longevity side, is just giving these kind of like conscious shocks occasionally to the cells. And that would be like a pretty interesting thing to do. Um, to do. And you feel very blissful afterwards. That's another reason why I do enjoy it. Um, but yeah, my practice with the, the niacin is usually 250. Um, and... Um, it's a very comfortable. Um, I I have taken a gram, um, and it's very very difficult um, for a moment or uncomfortable for a moment. Uh, but I would say like two fifty if you combine it with exercise is great. So I do yoga, running, just to kind of like get the blood moving, just nostril breath. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going after like getting my best run or my best yoga or something. You could do squats, but just focus on your breathing the nose, warming up the body. And when it starts to get quite uncomfortable, then go to the sauna. And uh, yeah, just going to be itchy and sweaty. But yeah, cell energy, energy production, um, particularly how you absorb lipids is kind of why people usually do it. But I think 
just improving that blood circulation will have so many benefits. Like in Chinese, you believe in the qi and the improvement of qi. Um, there's there's something to be said about that. But. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we're touching on qi. Let's let's uh, <laughs> let's dive into into some of the plant medicines. Yeah. Uh, when was this? Is this you know obviously? And I, I don't want to talk about you know the Santa Claus story if we if we have time. I know you talked about it with Aubrey a, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but um, talk about your first introduction into plant medicines. Mm-hmm. Was it psilocybin? And mm-hmm. uh, expand upon some of those experiences and how they progressed over the years. Yeah, I feel like every culture has had some sort of a mind-altering substance. Um, um, and in obviously almost all societies, the last two, three generations have been pretty anti of mind altering. Um, before that, even in pockets, uh, you know, certain religions were kind of not supportive of that. Finland is no different. So Finland has had for thousands of years, long history with psychedelics. Um, there is psilocybin there. I would say more commonly, it is the Amanita um, that is consumed and one other swamp plant, which is more similarly mind altering um, and both of them, Amanita and this swamp plant are, are the ones that I've tried in the very beginning in very small dosages. So those would be the first ones I've had is, is Amanita. And it's, it's not, shouldn't be anybody's first psychedelic. Um, but they are darker. They're definitely like, you know, GABA agonist, but like they are on the more, not sedative, but like numbing kind of darker layer of, of that versus a more, you know, uh, 2A serotonin receptor, psilocybin, happy, loving, connective. There's wisdom in both, but um, but they're very different. But right now, uh, Finland in the last, yeah, two, three generations um, has been very kind of anti-psychedelics um, again, which has been, you know, a bummer. It's been combined with, you know, uh, more synthetic uh, drugs. And there's a lot of fear among among people um, but because of the the proximity to mushrooms and proximity to more indigenous cultures, it was like finding fairy rings of amanitas was, I don't know how old I was before, five. Oh, wow. Probably when you first get exposed to them. Um, but there is, there is a, among forgers, there's always been for the amanita family, there's, there's this like deep beauty and respect but fear because the amanita family also has some of the most poisonous mushrooms in the world. Most mushroom-related deaths for foragers happen because Amanita mushrooms, not Amanita muscaria, but um, um, the destroying angel and and the death cap. But so so there's there's this fear and beauty in this family of mushrooms that you get taught as a young kid. It's like one of the first mushrooms you get taught is Amanita muscaria, and 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 the destroying angel is like probably the top three mushrooms I was taught as a kid, and. Uh, um, so, so for me, um, for psychedelics, um, I knew about it so early on and I had some exposure and small dosages, but I felt that I was not ready for that. And I feel like psychedelics have these two really beautiful windows for men when it's like, when you're like somewhere 11 to 14 years old, rite of passage, there's a really beautiful time somewhere there. Um, to explore, um, it sounds really odd, but as a parent, it probably is a great time to expose your um, your kids into psychedelics. Um, 
and then there's a there's a time when you probably i mean freud and and even top like we're young dumb and full of cum like there's a period when it's harder to get that wisdom because we're on our way and maybe other types of work need to happen and then you know when when you start to like 30s and 40s those become again like massively valuable tools assets um so i had this like i felt that i didn't know a reason why i would do i even went to amazon for ayahuasca in my early 20s and i didn't take any i was like i'm I, i'm not it doesn't feel organic at that point and that's just something i would encourage everyone is just listen is like why am i doing it don't do it because others are doing it know that they're very powerful know that they're very safe know that there's a lot of beauty but don't do it just because other people are doing it ask yourself why and then when you find the calling go for it and you know that's i think very important and yeah for me it's it's my uses um from especially for psilocybin is more on the the macro dose i'm a huge believer in higher dose less often maybe twice a year. A lot of my ancestors do winter solstice, summer solstice. I think there may be other compounds, iboga, uh, maybe LSD, where the microdosing principle is a little more powerful. But with the right microdosing protocol, there's definitely like, it's, it's a very interesting world, but I feel like psilocybin is, is, is more of like less often rare, bigger dose type of knowledge. At least that's mine. That's funny you say that because I've, I've, I'm just coming to the end of the 30 days with psilocybin. And I'd read the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide by Jim Fadiman where he studied microdosing mm -hmm. for 30 years. A lot, of his, a lot of his gatherings of wisdom is coming strictly with LSD. Mm -hmm. And so I'd done the every fourth day protocol he recommends with LSD. And I absolutely loved it. I did it for two months with my wife probably about four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um LSD is easier to gauge. It's mm -hmm. much easier to gauge because the same thing. It's and you know when you know which flush did it come from mm -hmm. doesn't really it doesn't that doesn't equate with LSD. LSD is also very energetic, and I think a lot of people that are using microdosing for their work specifically, like whether it's people in tech in the Silicon Valley or any of these you know articles that get written about it. They want to be able to do their emails and get shit done. Yeah. LSD will do that for you. Mm -hmm. Psilocybin will tell me some days, you're not doing fuck, don't touch your computer, yes. go outside and sit down by a tree. Yeah. And that's a beautiful medicine if I can listen to that. Mm -hmm. If I couldn't, it would be very hard to try to, I'd be you know, forcing a square peg in a round hole trying to get shit done when the medicine tells me otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, that very much what you're saying, I get that. But they're definitely the what we know of and also what I do believe energetically, but like psilocybin will be impactful even on one use case, at least a year, if not years. And again, what is your intention? Um, is it neuroplasticity? Is it finding answers? Like that's also a good thing to gauge with that one is like, what is the purpose? Um, you know, there is part of the receptors that get used to it. So you need to keep certain breaks. So this like, you know, I think based on what we know today, the daily use seems to be not quite aligned of what we know about it today. You might want to, depending on how small of a microdose you take, you might want to space it out every other day, every third day even, uh, to get like a 36-hour window. Um, I think it will be fascinating in the next like couple of years. We'll learn a lot more. But, but um, I think it's also more powerful if you look at from, a classic herbalistic practice is that you first get to know the plant on higher dose. 
And then when you bring it in these more uh, smaller dosages, there's there's it's more familiar with it. And that sounds pretty woo-woo, but um, you could use creatine as an example, uh, where there's a buildup period and then a maintenance period. So it's not that far-fetched idea is that, you know, the power of the microdosing is probably also partially because you have had those higher doses multiple times and then kind of reminding kind of like, Hey, remember, remember. And then yeah. kind of that might be also part of the wisdom. But um, I think different substances work better or worse in high dosages. You know, Iboga or Ibogaine is pretty rough on high dosages, but it might work pretty well on smaller dosages and vice versa. So. Yeah. Iboga is a really incredible compound. It's one that I, I had, I had played after I think Tim Ferriss talked about his use as uh, <laughs> his friend, Slim Barris, and gave like his full protocol of hedonic calendar from micro to the macro. And um, he was using, I think, Ibogaine HCI mm-hmm. and uh, or HCL. And um, so I was able to get some of that. And I noticed it, it, it has its energy. Like mm-hmm. Iboga is a very, like you don't sleep on it, it's up. And mm-hmm. so that, that really paired well with the morning coffee and I could do a lot. But one of the things as I was starting to learn more about it was that made it really cool is that it actually increases receptor density in the brain for dopamine as well as serotonin. Mm-hmm. So our feel-good neurotransmitters are all there and they're all getting increased from the use. Whereas smoking cigarettes, you'll start to remove some of those. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I found that to be fascinating about that compound. Um, talk, talk a little bit. I do want to get to the Santa story, but talk about your first experience with Amanita because I've heard like my, my brother Porangi had, had done it before. And like the, the history from my understanding was that they had, the reindeer would take it and then mm-hmm. they would drink the urine to, yeah. to prevent some of the, the issues around that. How did you consume it? And what was the experience like? Um, the first couple of times that, cause I had this fear that was installed upon me that or respect um, the dosages were really small. So I felt like woozy. Um, I would consume it both as fresh and dried in the beginning. Um, never in the beginning of the urine. I can get to the reason why the urine is there. Um, you become, I would say being drunk is a pretty good like spinning head. Um, like you feel there's a toxic reaction a little bit. Um, not like bad, not you're vomiting or anything like that, but you feel a little woozy um, you in in you start to get these like darker emotions, like you know the berserk story. You probably know how they would they would um. So you know the berserks that would. So these are these warriors that were like fearless, and there would be much less of them, and they would just go hard and just basically Going kill berserker. Berserker, exactly. They would kill everyone. It was this tribe, and it was set that they took. So there's two theories of that. One was the swamp plant that I've taken as well, and. Uh, the other one is the Amanita muscaria and they would take these pre-battle and you you just kind of think of it as someone who drinks and they just like, they almost like black out and get rage. They get this like, this just like. Shuts empathy and compassion. Correct. Off. And okay. and and that GABA agonist, like that like blocks certain like universal love and then like this fear or hatred kicks in. And that is can be a lot of the Amanita feeling. So there's two compounds um, that depending how you consume it, you will impact the feeling a lot. So so there's uh, muskimol, which is which is the psychoactive compound. That's like 
the good. <laughs> and then there's the apotenic acid, which is, you know, uh, the toxic compound, which is not good. And uh, when you consume it fresh or dried, you will have the apotenic acid that then converts into muscimol. And there's a way how you cook it in a certain way to kind of reduce or some say even completely remove, but I don't fully believe that, like reduce the amount of apotenic acid and, and then get the muscimol. But you have to eat quite a lot of amanita. That's also the thing is in order to get enough muscimol, so a lot of people have taken five, 10 grams and not felt anything, you might have to take 20 to 50 grams of dried mushrooms. So the volume is a little bigger. Also depends if it's younger. Younger, it tends to have higher amounts of muscimol versus if it's bigger, big amanitas actually might be worse than small amanitas. Um, so that's also period of the year that it's collected can impact. But um, um, so you have to eat more, you might get quite sick. So, uh, bless you, um, <laughs> no worries. So you have to eat quite a lot. And when you eat a lot, you will also get quite a bit of ipotenic acid and you might get, that's where you get that flu-like. So that's some of the Santa stories, ideas of how, why did the Santa or the shaman, why was it red? And cause you get this like, almost like a, not a niacin flush, but like similar kind of like uncomfortable feelings and in order before it converts into. So it's, it's almost like, getting high period is quite painful until you cross the valley and then the apotenic acid leaves your body and the muscimol kind of kicks in. But why the, the pee and the urine is that the first person who will eat it will get sick, but then the urine have, uh, your liver has removed the apotenic acid and the urine concentrates. Urine it often is a concentration of uh, various like, um, not waste chemicals, but things that the body doesn't have a use for, or you'd had excess of like vitamin C, you had excess vitamin C, you pee it out. So, but it's a concentrated form. So in this case, when you drink someone's urine, um, a human or reindeer that has consumed high amounts of amanita, you have removed the toxic element or the brain lesioning element uh, of apotenic acid, and you have concentrated the psychedelic compound. So then you have to consume less. So it's easier for your body and you'll have higher amounts of of, um, of um, muscimol. And there might be other compounds that impact on amanita that we don't know, but those, those are the kind of, and there's a couple forms of uh, muscimol as well, compound wise, but um, that's, that's probably how it works. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me because I've never really taken a deep dive into that compound, but it makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense from the from like a Jungian analyst standpoint of going into the shadow work. Oh, like you can, <laughs> oh you're touching it right now. So why, when and why Amanita could make sense, again, it's not on, shouldn't be on anybody's top five, but where it could make sense is, is going back to the indigenous people and when and how they used it. They used it on winter solstice. So in Lapland in winter solstice, you might get two hours of sunlight. So the sun creeps up a little bit and then goes down. So it's almost complete darkness, okay? And they have a belief of these three layers of the, not the hip, the heavens where the gods live, there's no, and then there's the underworld. Underworld is not where only negative, that's where everybody who dies goes underground. And you go with that substance, you go mostly underground to talk to people who have died. So that is the world, that is, the shadow work. That is the part of you that you think you are, but you don't want to be. Mm. Or you're, you're, some people say, you know, 
multi-generational traumas and fears that you're processing with that. And, and that is, it, you don't take that in LA in a sunny day. Like you take that when you go to in winter into a cabin and darkness and let the dragons fly in. I love it. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, let, let's talk Santa. You wrote a book about this since yeah. uh, your, your uh, podcast with Aubrey. And it's awesome. You know, I think on the internet, maybe, I don't know when I saw it. It was years ago. But some of that uh, story has been told in various ways. And just, um, it's really fascinating to me to think of that. But but break that down for people who maybe are unfamiliar with it. Yeah. So, um the origins of Santa Claus is is what we're talking about and how that relates to psychedelics, particularly this mushroom, Amanita muscaria. So maybe taking one step back, pretty much all the cultural stories we have have a different origin that is commercially brought to us, be it Halloween, you know, Celtic traditions, Easter. And sometimes we forget this. We're like, oh, you know, there's just Coca-Cola. No, there's a reason why the reindeers are there. There's a reason why the Christmas tree is there. And I think from all the things that we get sold commercially, this might be the, one of the biggest lies or misunderstandings of the origins. So, um, and why I also say that is partly because Santa Claus is arguably the world's most famous character. Like there isn't, like across every religion around the world, people know Santa Claus. Like it could be the most famous character in the world. But the story of Santa Claus um, goes back eight to 10,000 years. A lot of people, when they, when they talk about Santa Claus, they kind of are vaguely aware, like St. Nicholas, like, a, like a, they think it's German. Uh, but the story to Santa Claus and what we think of today came to the US through New York or New Amsterdam. It was brought mostly uh, here by the Dutch where it's called Sinterklaas and the Dutch got it from the Germans. But, um, but it's not a German thing because St. Nicholas is actually Turkish. Hmm. So St. Nicholas was a Turkish bishop and, uh, and that was a time when um, Christianity had split between Orthodox Christianity and Catholic and Constantinople, today's Istanbul and, and uh you know, Rome had their battle and the Italians actually went to even steal St. Nicholas's grave. But the story has traveled along the way and everybody's added their own spice to it. Um, like the, the Dutch really built on their elves that were actually black slaves. So there's, there's kind of some effed up stuff there as well. But, but the, the real story does not b begin in Turkey. And that's really funny is like, people don't even think about that, but like, there's no reindeers in Turkey. Like where's the North Pole, but then there's a Turkish bishop. It's Christianity wanted to absorb a pagan story to themselves. Mm. It's San Pedro. I mean, there's yeah. so many examples. Yeah. Of well, it. even even the birth of Christ on December 25th to yeah. replace the winter solstice. <laughs> well, <laughs> great that you said that. So, but there's so many proven evidence of, of this. Um, I'll get to, to that, but stories are stories. You know, there's always a spice, there's an element, things get added, things get removed. That's normal. But the, the real heritage of this story comes from the Slavic countries through this uh, old last official indigenous culture left in, 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 in Europe called the Sami. The Sami live in Norway, Sweden, Finland, and parts of Russia. And funny enough, if you talk to any Russian or Ukrainian person about Christmas, they actually celebrate this, this, um, this like, Old Man Frost, Dead Morris, 
even still today, it's like a similar outfit, kind of more bluish, a little bit of red, but more blue versus Senna is more red and a little bit of blue. But um, but the they got it from the Sami, and the Sami have been there eight to ten thousand years, so much before the Vikings. Vikings been there thirteen hundred years or so, and. And why is the why is the Santa story really relevant, and how does that all tie? So I'm just going to give a couple of the facts because it's a long story. But basically, the Sami believe that all living things have a soul. Rocks have a soul. The wind has a soul. Animism. Animism, exactly. And um, they live very deeply with in conjunction with nature. You might imagine going from like in winter it's minus forty. It's very real. So they believe that this also this afterworld and and uh, heavens, and they believe that they're sons of God, uh, of sun. They're um, son, sons and daughters of sun. Had Sun had sex with a giant. So this is their belief, origin story, basically. And they're the, the children of the giant and the sun. And so, so they would have magic. So ceremonies. And the two big ceremonies were winter solstice and summer solstice. Summer solstice, there was 24 hours of sunlight. And winter, it was almost all darkness. And the person conducting the ceremony is called Noida, um, the shaman. The shaman that time did more than just being a shaman. They were a doctor, they were a priest, they were an elder. So that's why probably you think that Santa has lived forever because there's been thousands of Santas because every region would have your own shaman, Noida. And the, the shaman would conduct these ceremonies. There was also summer solstice ceremony, but this winter solstice ceremony was more famous. And... Um, and this, by the way, the only area where reindeers live. So that's also kind of one indication that this origins of this story is where the reindeers are. And for the winter solstice ceremony, it was about a lot about death, end of the year and starting the new year and talking to our deceased elderly. So your ancestors who had died and asking wisdom from them for the new year. So that was like part of what they believed. So let's mm. gather as a family. Let's have a ceremony. Let's talk to the dead. Let's ask for questions and insights and let's apply them to the new year. And in order to have this ceremony, the Sami uh, shaman would um, collect this psychedelic mushroom of that area called Amanita muscaria, which is the world's most famous mushroom, but nobody knows it. It's the mushroom emoji. It's the, what, the mushroom that Super Mario takes. It's the red mushroom with the white dots, the kind of classic toadstool. It's, um, it's the one that you see in Disney movies, Fantasia, you see it at the... Snow White, you see it at, uh, you know, all these songs. It's it's everywhere in pop culture. It's all Once, over the book that I read my son, the the Mother Goose fairy tales. Yeah. It's in all of them, littered and, throughout it. And it's a psychedelic mushroom. It's actually legal in every state in the U.S. as a psychedelic, by the way. It's one of the only legal psychedelics. Epsec, I believe Tennessee is the one where it's not legal. Um, uh, but yeah, the salmon would eat this mushroom, but this mushroom grows not in the snow, it, you need to collect it in the summer, fall, and you need to sun dry it, otherwise it gets moldy. So what the shaman would do is go to the forest, find this mushroom, and this mushroom grows under their sacred tree, the Pinesia trees. So the pine tr family of trees is very sacred to many indigenous cultures, including like the Mayans. So that's why maybe the pine cone, the pineal gland, you know, that whole connection of the soul and consciousness, sacred tree. Think of like the Avatar movie where the Navi people believe that the home trees tree. are, yeah, yeah, home tree. This is the home tree, the Pinesia trees, particularly the spruce. 
It's a spruce tree. So that is the Christmas tree you see at the Rockefeller Center in New York. And this psychedelic mushroom needs to live in a symbiotic relationship with these Pinesia trees. So under the Christmas tree, where you would normally put presents, is a psychedelic mushroom that the shaman would collect and sun-dried by putting the mushroom hanging from the Christmas tree branches. So the sun would dry it, add vitamin D to it, because they were also vitamin D deficient in the winter because you don't get sun. So and then do loops. So there would be one tree eventually that would be full of these red mushrooms. So even if you go back to old uh, Christmas or Yuletid um, posters, photos, books, images, even from the German time, not even, you don't even have to go older than that. The kids are holding the psychedelic mushroom. They're not holding red balls hanging from a Christmas tree. The Christmas tree decorations, even in, in New York, old New York would be psychedelic mushrooms hanging, not red balls. The red balls got changed later it was a psychedelic mushroom hanging from the tree. And that's why you put presents under the tree because that's where the psychedelic grows or hanging from on top of a fire because if it was not sunny at that time when you were harvesting, you would, you would dry it on top of a fireplace. So then shaman carries these, puts them on a sack and reindeer is the domesticated mammal to kind of travel around. So have a sled, wearing a little coat, beard, probably an elderly person, traveling from village to village to give ceremonies with a sack full of psychedelics, getting into their home, which is called Kota. And Kota is like a, like a semi-permanent teepee. So I think of a teepee, but you need it for winter. So it's a little more insulated. Like a yurt. It's like a yurt, but like shape-wise closer to teepee, okay. but a yurt. And it has a small entrance that you kind of crawl in. And then there's a hole at the top because there's a fire inside because otherwise you freeze your ass. So, but often there would be a snowstorm and this little narrow entrance would get shut in. So the chimney or the, the hole for the fire would be your secondary exit and entrance. So it could be that you come in and out through the chimney with the psychedelics, you hold court, you take a psychedelic, you get all red and jolly and you're laughing and you're talking to the, to the, to the ancestors and then you might see reindeers flying or you might see visions and, and stuff like that. And then sometimes the families would join by drinking the urine from this kuksamak. So this is actually where the psychedelics also, either with the reindeer or from another human's pee, would be drank from this mug. So this is also a psychedelic urine mug. And um, <laughs> the first, when you handed me that, I was like, this is my fucking medicine cup. Yeah. I don't know if I can fit 30 grams of mushrooms in there, but <laughs> I certainly can try. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can cook it and you can sip it along the way. So you don't have to like chug it either. Like yeah. you can make your Amanita tea or whatever medicine and then kind of slowly sip on it. So yeah. And then you would have this ceremony, you would have these visions but what is beautiful, so mostly Christmas has become this ridiculous, ridiculous um, commercial holiday. But the beauty of like gathering with family, slowing down, looking at the previous year, setting intentions for the next year, putting fire or candles, giving gifts or like a celebration, that is still beautiful. Like that is, there's definitely a place for that. It's just the, all the hoopla of like, commercialism has added and then there's a whole story about the elves but maybe we'll save it for another time so oh that's fucking fantastic <laughs> thank you so much brother no worries so uh your company for sigmatic where can people get it i don't know a lot of places Everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah i don't know whole foods sephora online amazon um for sigmatic.com uh, we sell internationally as well i started the company overseas so you can get it 
globally as well pretty well. Um, I know you probably have a listeners all around the world now. Yeah, brother. And uh, where can people find you online? I'm really bad. I have I don't I don't have Facebook or anything. <laughs> I have a private Instagram. I am Tarot, where I post dumb photos when I feel like it sometimes go a month without posting, but I am Tarot, T-E-R-O is my personal. And then Four Sigmatic, F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C everywhere. We're much better there. Uh, we're relaunching um, our Mushroom Academy soon. So we have a free Mushroom Academy we'd have for years. So completely free, you can study about the knowledge about mushrooms online. No cost, no strings attached. We just love sharing the word and we just reshot the videos and they should be out soon so incredible a new That'll version for sigmatic.com yeah yeah or mushroomacademy.com might be as well either way you'll get there cool um, well, we'll link to it all in the show notes so you don't have to jot this shit down but uh, yeah. yeah i'll have i'll have giles get with you and get all the correct links yeah yeah thank you yeah. so much brother this has been fantastic thanks for glad we got to finally do this yeah brother. it was a long time coming uh-huh Big yeah time. next time lapland or uh or we'll go to the cabins in Finland. I'm we'll in. Do, Maybe we'll, we'll do Niacin. Yeah, well, <laughs> summer solstice. I'll be there summer solstice. If you want. We're, have you ever had? Oh, kid. We got, got the yeah, baby. We got little wolf on the way. But 2021, I'm down for summertime. I'll bring the whole family. It'll yeah. Incredible. Yeah, 2021, 2022. We have a, oh yeah, we have, um, I have cabins and there's separate saunas. So each cabin has a sauna and then there's a separate sauna building and the sauna building has a bedroom as well. So wow. you can come with homies. Very and cool. The, and the baby. So. Yeah, I'm in, brother. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, awesome thanks time. a lot. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's show with Tarot. Uh, they are just fantastic over at Four Sigmatic, and Tarot is a wealth of knowledge. Check out my website, kingsboo.com, and give my boys at ancestralsupplements.com and onefarm.com a shout out. You will love their products as much as I do. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you in a week. <laughs>